Welcome to Healing You, presented by Define You Radio, with host Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Committed to helping you heal with stories, tips, and strategies by guests who were once hurting. In order to define you, you must first heal you. Now your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. everyone. Happy Sunday. This is Valencia Griffin-Wallace, and thank you for tuning in to Define You Radio presents Healing You, where you will hear the stories, the life lessons, and more from guests who understand that healing is part of the process of defining who they are. Tonight, we are discussing shattering the myths with our beautiful guest, Ms. Diana Elizabeth Jordan. And as usual, I am joined with my, by my wonderful co-host, Ms. Tasha Dearborn of Positive Express and Connie Lee Bennett of Meraki Therapy, adding their expertise with tips, strategies, and more. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Good to be here as always. <laughs> well, yes, that was Miss Connie. If you guys don't recognize her voice, and 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 Tasha, if you want to shout your hello to the audience tonight. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> well, I am uh, definitely excited and inspired about tonight's show. And if you have dialed in tonight uh, and would like to get on the line with us, please press one on your keypad, and we would love to hear from you. Make sure you follow and connect with the show on Blog Talk Radio and Define You Radio's Facebook page for updates, show notes, guest information, and, of course, how you connect with me, Ms. Connie, and Ms. Tasha also. Now, our guest tonight is an inspiration to me, and I'm, you know, it's, being inspired, for me to even use that terminology, like you have to be pretty close to like Wonder Woman, a superhero. You have to really have, you know, you're, you really got to have a story that's like, wow. And so I don't use that term uh, loosely. And I'm sure, you know, you guys in the audience will find inspiration in her story also. At the end of the day, we can all find excuses to not do something and to not achieve our dreams, but our guest today, Ms. Diana, didn't. She's a speaker, an actor, a storyteller, and so much more. I can't even sum it up. Uh, She never let adversity stand in the way of her pursuing her goals. She was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, and excuse me if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, which affects her speech and more. I did it right? Okay. Uh, she has her. She has a career um, that's amazing, and she uses everything about her to not only entertain, enlighten, but to inspire and empower audiences. Today, she is going to tell us her story of healing, conquering, and more. With that being said, Miss Diana, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Hello, Valencia. Hello, Connie. Hello, Tasha. Oh, excuse me. I'm, what is wrong with people 
Um, thank you so much for having me, and I'm um, looking forward to this next hour. Yes, ma'am. We are we're looking forward to it also. Um, and thank you for being here, and and welcome to the family. You know, here at Healing You and Define You, we consider our guests. Once you come on, you're part of the family. So welcome to the family. <laughs> awesome. So I want to go ahead and get into uh, a little bit of your story, but before we do that, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Well, hello, audience. Hello, family. I am Diana Elizabeth Jordan. I am an actor, a storyteller, speaker. I am a um, expressive specialist and artist educator. I also am the owner and founder of the Rainbow Butterfly Cafe, which is an education, entertainment production company that uses the expressive arts to celebrate diversity and disability, resiliency and conquering adversity, and to foster personal development and professional growth. And that is my company. Um, I like to joke that I've been fighting adversity since the day I was born. Um, I was born, when I was born, when they took my mom into the delivery room, my mother had a very normal pregnancy, but when they took her um, into the delivery room, they noticed that my heart rate had dropped significantly, and when I was born, I was not breathing, and the doctors worked on me for 45 minutes before I started breathing on my own, and um, and back in that day, <laughs> um, I was in the hospital for eight days. That was back in the day when they let mothers stay in the hospital for more than two hours um, after their babies were born. So um, I, I my physical development as a baby was slower. I didn't. I did those those milestones that they say are the natural milestones that babies make, I made much slower. Um, I didn't learn, I didn't start walking until I was nearly two. Um, I learned to crawl, actually, after I learned to walk. Um, So I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, which is a neurological disorder that affects motor control um, around the age of two. But my... um, my development, my 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 disability is a physical disability. It's not a cognitive disability. So when I went to school, my mother fought very hard for me to be mainstreamed. So I always went to school um, with kids without disabilities. I went on to college. I got a bachelor's degree in acting and a associate degree in occupational therapy. I was living in Chicago at the time where, where I was born. I went on to pursue an acting career in Chicago. I was very fortunate to work in Chicago as an actor, and I also taught to help pay the bills. And then in 1998, I was the first um, actor with a disability to be accepted in the master's 
program at Cal State Long Beach. So I graduated with an MFA from Cal State Long Beach in 2001, a Master's of Fine Arts in Acting. And since then, I've been pursuing my acting career here in Los Angeles, which is a dream come true for me. I always wanted to move to L.A., and I didn't want to get to a point in my life and say, I wonder if I could have. So I moved to L.A. Um, after graduate school, and I've been out here ever since. Um, pursuing my career teaching, I also coach and teach other actors with disabilities at Performing Arts Studio West, which is a training and management program for actors with disabilities. I'm one of the acting coaches there. And I've been very fortunate to work in television and film and do theater out here. Wow, you've done so much, so much. um, (laughs) And congratulations on, you know, everything that you've done thus far, you know, but I want to kind of rewind and and go back to you growing up. Mm -hmm. I know you said that, you know, your, your disability is is strictly physical. So so not mental. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, said that and clarified that in case anyone had any questions in, in -hmm. that way. So growing up, we know that, you know, we all go through self-esteem issues and confidence mm-hmm. issues, you know. Right. How how was your self-esteem growing growing up? Um, you know, I always felt that I was different. Um, and I, I, I say that as a child, that difference um, felt more, I saw that as sometimes, a negative thing that people saw me as different and that felt negative. Um, very interesting because I I remember my mom would sometimes send me to like a recreational group for kids with disabilities, but a lot of those kids also had cognitive disabilities, so I felt different there. Um, and that I remember a bus would come and get me to take me to a recreational event, and I would almost not want my high school friends to see me on the bus with those kids. You know, that that was my attitude back then, because I didn't want to be seen as different. Um, but mm. I felt different. I mean, I was, you know, I, I used to joke in junior high, I used to hold up the wall at dances. I wasn't the one that, you know, I didn't have a boyfriend. Um, I So in, in those ways, I felt different. But yet I found, especially in high school, I found my home in theater. Um, I knew I wanted to be an actor ever since I was a little girl. And I was really blessed that um, the teachers at the theater department were honest with the challenges I might face, but very supportive. I'd love to share the story, if I may. Um, my freshman, I went to a school that had a great theater department, 
Oak River Forest, Kaiser and Oak Park, Illinois, Husky Power, yay. Um, and the teacher there, Mr. Eitzem, I took his first class, my freshman year, acting one, I think it was. And I remember when I went up to do my first scene, we had this scene book, like scenes for teenagers or something like that. And when I went up to perform, Everyone got their book out to follow along in the scene. And when I was done, Mr. Eitram stood in front of the class and said, if you understood her, raise your hand. And nobody really raised their hands. And I was devastated. And he called me over at the end of the class, and I thought he was going to say I couldn't take the class asked me to leave, and he said, Diana, at the end of the semester, I want everyone to raise their hands. Hmm. And it was such a beautiful support of saying, I want you to work, work hard. This is something you can do, but you have to work. And so I continued speech, and I, I was really blessed, and I did theater in high school. I got cast in high school. Um... So I was blessed that I had honest support. And I say by honest support, having a career in the arts can be challenging no matter what. <laughs> um, so, but no one ever said, no, don't do this at my high school. They were honest about the challenges I might face. And I have. But they were also supportive and giving me opportunities and chances, and I worked hard to have those opportunities. Um, I never felt like anything was just handed to me. I felt if I got something, it was because I worked and I earned it. Hmm. I love that term, honest support. I I love that because a lot of times we want someone to be honest with us, and then we look at support as different, but putting those two terms together almost mm-hmm. make it like a whole a whole new new thing, you know, like Miss Diana, I support you, but let me be honest with you, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that had a lot to do with your your growth and and oh. you pushing and and um working hard. Yeah, I still have a letter that Miss Berkman, the athlete she's Mrs. Polly now, that she wrote me, she was the speech team. I competed in forensics in high school, um the speech team. And um she wrote all the seniors at the end of my year typed a letter, and then um, we did a reader theater competition. So she wrote all of us. And one thing she wrote for me was, um, Diana, I'm not saying theater will be easy for you because it won't, but your hard work and determination will pay off. And I still have that letter. (laughs) And it's been a while since I've been in high school. But I still have it because it meant so much to me, and I keep it in a scrapbook, and it's 
you know, is because this teacher took time to wrote in her handwriting. She wrote that, that she believed in me. And it was a, at a time as a young girl when I needed, because I was insecure. I had those insecurities. I knew what I wanted, but I still had the insecurities that many young women have who feel that they're not. I didn't feel I was pretty or I didn't feel I was this. I I had that I'm not. But I still, I've always had the determination, though. Even when I didn't feel I was as pretty as the other girls or as this as the other girls, I always had my determination. That's never wavered. Hmm. I, I love that you address the fact that you did have, you know, insecurities like most young girls during this time how did how did your your parents sup- support you in maybe you know building your confidence how did they support you in this process you know i'm i'm really lucky that i grew up in a very loving family and you know i i think of course you know you have your you go through your teen moments with your family <laughs> but um they were really loving and supportive, and when, um, especially my mom, I must say, from the beginning of my life, you know, made sure I had the physical therapy and the occupational therapy, and she fought for me to have those things and that my school had those services available to me, or I went to a therapy center where I had those services available, and... um. You know, when I went through some really tough times, um, they went and I went to counseling because I, I, even though it wasn't diagnosed till 2004, um, I've dealt with depression and anxiety most of my life. I didn't know it then. I didn't know that's what it was when I was a teenager, but that's what it was. Now that I can look back and say, oh, that's what it was. So, you know, I did talk to people and um, to help me in those areas because I, I don't think you have to do things alone. Um, I think when it comes to your, you know, if you're not feeling well, you go see a doctor, you have a cold, and I think if you're not feeling mentally healthy, you talk. And a choice is to talk to somebody. That's why we have those that field, those people, people who are trained to identify and help you through those dark, darker times in your life. And I've had, I've relied on that. Um, you know, depression is something I deal with, but I deal with it in a proactive way. Um, mm-hmm. When I know what's coming on, I know I need to take care of myself, and I proactively manage depression and anxiety as well. I think more people need to do that. We need to be more proactive in taking care of ourselves. At this time, Miss Diana, I want to bring Tasha in. She has a question, and, you know, Tasha works a lot with uh, children and teens. So, Tasha, if you want to go ahead with your question. Yes, ma'am. 
Ms. Diana, um, I wanted to ask a question uh, in, re- in reference to conquering um, being defined as dis- disability as a child. Um, if there was any kids listening on the show, what would be something that you can tell them to keep pushing and not to let that define them? Yeah, you know, I I, I say um, I say on my website um, my disability is a part of who I am, but it does not define who I am. Um, I let to say the kids is okay. I think we need to first erase the myth that if you have a disability, there's something wrong with you. I grew up thinking something was wrong with me. The first word I ever heard, the first word I ever heard about myself, and I was a very little girl, and I was walking somewhere with my mom, and someone said, what's wrong with your daughter? So I think we really need to look at how terminology impacts children and to teach them that your disability is just a part of who you are. You move this way, you use a wheelchair to help you get around. It's giving that affirming language instead of giving it negative language to empower our kids to be okay with who they are, you know, and we all have things that are more something, you know, looking, focusing on your strengths. You know, you have a beautiful heart. You you make people laugh, what, whatever your strengths are. Um, and seeing things for them as a wheelchair is this is how you get around. Your brother walks. You use a wheelchair, but give it, and that's how you get around. The wheelchair helps you get around. So I think is giving empowering language to children to help them feel empowered, to help them, you know, you learn in a different way than other people, but that's okay. Hmm. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We all learn differently. This is how you do things. I think it's really important to give that empowering language to um, children and youth. Love that. Thank you. I, I love that uh, empowering language. I love. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, at this time, Miss Diane, I'm gonna bring Connie. Lee and she has a question also. Connie? Hi. <laughs> I Hi. think, Diana, you, you may have answered my question. You answered Tasha so beautifully. My question was going to be around, you know, what sort of practical daily tips would you ad- advise people to use who are struggling with depression? And I think one of them, like you said, is maybe ourselves thinking positively about our situation, but are there any tips that you have used that are useful when you're feeling particularly bad? We all know those moments when we, when we really, really are feeling bad. (laughs) Is there any strategy that you use that you found in lifting your spirit? Yes. And I'm going to choose this word very carefully when I speak because 
I want to say this is what I do and not see this as, you know, because what I do may not work for everyone, so I will share what I do. Um, and it changes. Um, one of the things that I started to do is when I am going through a particularly dark time, I started to share that on Facebook. I've never done that before. I started within the past year or two because I find my friends give me supportive messages. Um, I personally also take, and this again, very personal, I take medication. Um, that again is a very personal choice I made because I found that the medication helps balance my anxiety. Again, this is a very personal choice that I had to make to help me be proactive. Um, I also find um, practicing an attitude of gratitude and sometimes that's very difficult when you're going through a depression, but I do try and remember um, how lucky I am. For me, my touchstones are my nephews, um, my two little nephews who are nine and a half and six. And when I will be on, when things get really, really dark for me, I remember that I want to see them grow up. Mm. I really do. Um, when I was going through a particularly dark time in 2004, and when I talk about dark, I, I have had dark thoughts and thoughts of self-harm and hurting myself, and I, I had to work through those. But one of the things that helped me back then was um, my mom has a goddaughter who is my little sister. My mom helped raise her. She was a young 16 17 at the time, um, I didn't want to give an example um, of of checking out and giving that example with her. I didn't want her to have that, to carry that. So I think about those things. I do, even when it gets really dark for me, I know that checking out would hurt people I love. So I sometimes I play music, I draw, sometimes I cry. You know, I have a good cry. I um, I surround myself and I remember that I am loved. Um, sometimes I read the Bible. That mm-hmm. that's something that I do that works for me. And I I have a wonderful friend. I call her my friend, Mom. When I and going through a, a bad time, just send me a Bible verse. It's beautiful. You know. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's just, you know, the path of chronic depression and anxiety is not easy, but I know I have things to do, um, so I need to work through it. And, and honestly, being honest, I hope, through my being honest about what I go through, hopefully that might help somebody else who might be not able to talk about it. Because some people don't 
feel they can speak about this. And I want to because I want, if there's anyone out there who's listening, you may feel you are not alone. You are so not alone, and I know it's hard. Believe me, I know it's hard. I went through about in early January. It's hard. But also remember there is another side, and I get through to the other side. I always get through to the other side. Sometimes you just have to take it a minute at a time some days. Say, okay, I made it I made it to nine. Now I'll make it to ten. Now I'll make it to eleven. Now I'll make it to twelve. And you just have to go that slow on some days. Great. Thank you so much. That's awesome. And, uh, Miss Diane, I want to thank you for your, <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me, for your for your honesty and your transparency in, in your answer just now uh, and, and before because I do believe that if parents and, and people and society in general starts taking that uh, approach when it comes to dealing with people with disabilities or, you know, using empowering language to help build them. And then when you touched on the depression and anxiety, a lot of people deal with that. And and we're looking for a, I love that you said, you know, this is what works for me. And you gave so many, so many tips and you know, you hit on your, you go to Facebook or, or in social media at times, and I know a lot of people will say, uh, oh, I get off social media because it's so negative, and I suggest that people start deleting or, or blocking or unblocking people. I don't want to go to, to my social media and feel worse, you know, mm-hmm. so I love that you that you hit on that, and it says a lot about people that you're associated with also. Oh, I have, I have, I must admit, I have some of the, I'll probably cry, some of the most amazing friends, some that I've known since I was nine, you know, since my days at Oak Park, um, Horseman School and Oak Park Riverside High School, I, I really do have the most amazing friends, and it's, it's a blessing, and I think I also think sometimes we focus on a lot that that expression your glasses have empty or half full. I believe mine is overflowing. Mm. I don't see it as half empty or half full, and I think I really think, especially during our tough times, we need to focus on what we do have, and that is not always easy. And I know that, and I, I'm not trying to be battling in and just, you know, oh, let's all skip down the road and be happy. But I think you can be depressed and still focus on things that are beautiful in your life. Because um, I do, I do, even in that type of time, I, I think those two little boys who are the light of my life, um, my nephews, you know, um, 
You do those daily things that help you through. And and like you said, take it moment by moment. You make it to eight. Okay, let's see if I can make it to nine and then ten. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we try to swallow the whole thing. And sometimes you may need to break it down to bits and pieces. So think, do you... Oh, no, I go ahead. Gonna say, I think just accepting is important. I think is oh, okay, this is where I am right now. And accepting that. I'm in a tougher space right now because I think a lot of times we don't want to accept. We want to say, oh, I'm here. It's like, it's okay to be there. Accept where you are right now because that doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. It's just where you are right now. Hmm. Do do you find yourself being underestimated because of the disability? I yes, I mean <laughs> I I and I I, I teach it carefully again because I've had I've had those situations where I've been mistaken for being intoxicated or mistaken for having um, an intellectual disability, but it's not my everyday experience. Like I said, I meet a lot of people, and we meet and we say hi, and that's great. But I've also, um, you know, I've had that I had a situation which was resolved with a a change. I went into a um, establishment, and there was a... um, and it, it wound up being a, a court case, which was settled a few years ago, where I walked in and the owner grabbed me and said I couldn't come in, and he pushed me out because he thought mm. I had been drinking and was homeless. And um, it turned into a court case, which was resolved in my favor. Um, but even when we started to go with the mediator, they said, I came in, I was swearing, I was smelly, and, you know, none of that was true. I had come from work, and I was going to get something to drink before I was going to rehearsal for a play I was in. Um, I sometimes, when I've spoken on the phone, um, had people say, have you been drinking? Um, hmm. Which, no, I haven't, because I, I don't drink. Um, and sometimes I feel that makes me self-conscious a bit because usually when I'm making a phone call, it's I'm doing business. I have something to say. I don't think I should have to have someone make a phone call for me on my behalf. This is my voice, and this is how I sound. Um, I don't have anything to apologize for. I do... I am subconscious about being clear, and you know, we had that discussion. Um, right. And I do take my time because I do understand I'm in a field where I use my voice, so I want to be clear. But this is still the voice I was given, and I think again, embracing diversity means to embrace the 
colorful voices that are out there. We have accents, we have dialects, and we have people like myself who have disabilities, with speech disabilities, whose voices add another flavor to the to the soup. <laughs> or like it's I say, like the gumbo. Soup of voices. <laughs> yes, the 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 gumbo of of voices. Or the, the gumbo. I like the special <laughs> spice and the gumbo of voices. I like add a little spice. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You are. I I think you're completely awesome. Um, and I love that you know that we connected to to get you on the show so you could not on you know so everyone can hear your story and and that uh, the inspiration and honesty that you have in in your voice and in your story. So you knew you were going to be an actress or an actor, whatever mm. the politically correct term is these days. Uh, it, you, I you, use both now. I use, you use I go both? back okay. and forth. Yeah. It's, uh, you decided I'm going to do this, and you, you knew that early. So tell mm. me about that that journey to becoming an actress. You know, you're right when you say it's something I always knew I would do. I mean, from um, from the time I was a little girl, I grew up. My father had my father's older sister, my aunt Rhoda, was an actress, and she passed away unfortunately a year before I was born. So I never met her. But my grandmother, my father's mother, and I used to hear stories about her all the time. And I think as now that I'm an adult, I can look back and see, especially for my grandmother, that was the loss of a child um, that she would tell me about. I mean, I wasn't analyzing it when I was a young girl like that, but I can as an adult look back and say, oh, she needed to share stories about this loss. So I would hear about her. I've always loved performing. Is this something I always wanted to do? And like I said, I was fortunate to go to a high school that um, I received that honest support. Um, and I one story I do remember, I went to see a soldier's play right after high school. It was a production. Um, I can't remember where a friend of my mom's took my family. And there was a cast party afterward. I remember looking at all those actors and thinking, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and have cast parties after. And I just knew, you know, I would be on the stage. And I I went to um, University of Kansas and I got my bachelor's degree in theater. I also got a certificate of occupational therapy and I worked as an occupational therapy assistant um, to help pay the bills in Chicago and substitute taught. I was really fortunate that when I graduated, non-traditional casting was just 
kind of becoming the buzzword in Chicago theater um, and in theater in general. And I, I doing theater in Chicago in the late 80s, early 90s, to date it myself, was fabulous. There was a lot of theater, a lot of opportunities, and I worked. I was blessed to get cast non-traditionally, and um, did Our Town. I did a production of The Glass Menagerie. I got to do plays where my disability was incidental to the character storyline. Then I got into graduate school, um, came out here in 98, did schools at um, Cal State Long Beach, and um, the journey, it's been an interesting journey. I think I've worked very hard. I've been very lucky. Like anyone, I've had my disappointments, um, but... I always look at what I've done and not what I haven't done. And there I've cried many tears, but I've jumped many joys. I've had some amazing opportunities as an actor here. And, yes, I've faced discrimination and, you know, I've, well, I've faced the negative attitudes. But the positive for me is outweigh the negative. Mm. Always. I've had some incredible, amazing opportunities as an actor. I've had some incredible opportunities to advocate on behalf of other actors with disabilities. Um, so it's the journey, you know, I, I knew, I, I knew this wasn't, was going to be an interesting journey for me. Um, I knew that from the beginning. And I think you also get to the point, you know, I, I think when you're young, you're like, ooh, I'm going to be a big star. I'm going to live in Malibu. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to, you know, well, back then I was going to marry Mandy Jackson of the Jackson 5. None of that had come true, and that that's like, okay. Um, you know, um, but... um. I, but when I look at my life, no, I'm not a big star on the big series yet. Maybe that will happen. I don't know. It's not in my hands. But I worked as an actor. I produced, I had a one-woman show that I produced. I'm about to go to Big Bear and do my first horror film. Um, I'm doing a film called The Edge of Isolation directed by Jeff Hocool, um, and I'm very excited. He wrote it, he wrote it, he produced it, um, and I'm leaving for Big Bear to do the edge of, isol- edge of Isolation in April. And um, I'm, so I've had some incredible opportunities. So that's what I focus on. And I I love that regardless of what you pull back to that attitude of of gratitude and instead of looking at what you haven't done, you look at what you have done. Mm -hmm. And then that whole, I call it a yet mindset, like I haven't done this yet. So I love that. And then I love love horror films. So I'm, I'm... 
definitely uh, going to make sure I stay in touch with you about that so I can see it. So, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I've loved scary movies my whole life. I want to ask you one more question, then Connie Lee has a question, and then I want to okay. make sure the audience um, get definitely knows how to, you know, get in contact with you okay. and everything else. But I want to kind of touch on for the for the parents that may be listening, and they mm-hmm. have a child that that's differently abled or disabled, or you know right. they have a child that um, is not quote unquote normal in maybe other people's right. eyes. What advice right. would you give, particularly to the parents of this child? that is different but wants to do so much? I would say embrace your child, support their Mm. dreams, find the resources that are in your area that might help support your child's dreams. Um, you You know, I don't, so I would look up organizations that might be in your area that might um, be more disability than general, that might be, um, you know, the organizations out here like Autism Speaks, um, if you are a parent of a child who has, um, who is on the spectrum. So we, you know, the thing that my mom did not have that parents have now is the Internet. So just looking for resources is sometimes it's trial and error. You may find a group and may not find, hey, this may not work. But I also think it's very important um, once your child gets a certain age to check in with them and what they want. Um yeah, I mean, obviously, we have a two-year-old child. I'm not, what do you think? <laughs> but, you know, once a child can, what do you think? Do you want to do this? But, you know, once a child gets five or six, they can make their own decisions. They can, well, let me rephrase that. They can add to at least share an opinion of what they may mm-hmm. want to do. Um I also believe there are, you know, there are um, equipment and resources out there. Uh, there are adaptable bowling balls for sports. There are sports teams that sometimes are, um, are more inclusive of children who have disabilities. Uh, I, I I also think there's nothing, not anything wrong with um if there's a theater group out there, take your child. You know, talk right. to them. You know, I believe in inclusion. I'm so um believe in inclusion. I think inclusion not only is good for it's good for all kids. That's how we learn about differences is through inclusion. Begin to celebrate our differences and find our universalities through inclusion. So I don't think you necessarily need to take your child to something that's just 
for kids with disabilities. That that will depend on your child. I mean, I'm I'm talking in generals because you know disability in the spectrum is so broad. But so those are some things that I would suggest. But again, it's just the empowering empowering your child. That's what all parents should do with their kids, no matter regardless of disability, is to empower your children to be live and love and be as independent or interdependent as they can be and let them know they're okay. They are okay. I I love that because the advice you just gave is very uh, universal. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to what you said about, you know, that empowering language. So thank you for that. Um, Connie, go ahead with your question. Yeah, that beautifully links to what you ladies were just talking about, which is this idea of empowerment. Diana, as you know, I'm, I'm passionate about inner feminine power and passion and I wanted to ask you if there was one thing that you would advise women to do because often we give our power away as women you know because we right. think that we should be X or we should be Y and, but what, right. what sort of advice would you give women who are looking at finding that power within themselves again to create a life that they deserve and want and love now, this, this, and this is something, that's a great question, and this is some, something I honestly am in process of. But um, I had a moment, I can be sometimes very verbally abusive with myself, um, um, and other, you know, I, 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 I've had those instances, and um, I, um, I think if we heard how we talk to ourselves sometimes. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, we can be incredibly cruel. I think if we heard anyone talk to a friend the way we talk to ourselves, your child, your your daughter, your best friend, we would be so mad. How dare you? If our friend came up to us and said, somebody told me about, this about myself, I think we would be angry. How dare someone say that to you? So why would we say that about ourselves? Powerful. Does that make sense? Is, yeah, is, absolutely. I think, and, I, and I'm still learning this, you really need to learn to love yourself. And I know that's, that's, that's the journey I'm on. A journey of love and self-acceptance of saying, this is who I am. My, my sister is a holistic um, health coach. My sister, Charlie, she has a great business, got fit through faith. And she, she used this word once called flossom. We are all flossom. We are awesomely flawed and flawedly awesome. And it's Okay. We don't have to be perfect because nobody is. But I truly 
think that self-love and self-acceptance, it starts with you. Is that an easy journey? No. Is it a necessary journey? Yes. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Connie and Tasha, for your questions, and thank you so much, Miss Diana. Um, where can the listeners get more information about you, what you have going on, and you know some of your videos? Because I know you sent me some great, uh, some great okay. videos. Where can they get that information? Right, but again, um, I have two websites. I have um, my acting website, which is W um, is Diana either the visit Jordan dot com. I also have a website for my entertainment production company, which is Rainbow Butterfly Cafe dot com. Um, I they can email me at. The Rainbow Butterfly Cafe dot com, um, and on Twitter I'm at at D E Jordan, um, and on Facebook I'm at Diana Elizabeth Jordan, and I have one for acting Diana Elizabeth Jordan, and I have one for the company, the Rainbow Butterfly Cafe, and those are both on Facebook. I'm I'm. I'm on Instagram, but I don't really Instagram as much. I'm trying to do more, but Instagram is um, at from the heart of DJ. Um, I'm still learning social media. <laughs> so much. Yeah. So I'm They're still so trying to uh, learn my social media um, stuff. You know, it's a process. Like right. I said, it's a process. It it definitely is. Um, once you learn one, then you have to learn another and decide which one gets more attention. Uh, so I definitely, as I'm sure most of the audience and the co-hosts can understand that uh, plethora, that ocean that is uh, social media. <laughs> well, well, not only that, it seems like when you learn one, people are like, are you on Vine? Are you on Snapchat? It's like, I don't, well, Snapchat is like you can put an animal face on yourself. I'm like, I don't know if I want to put an animal face. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's not my choice to, like, put a donkey face on my face. <laughs> like, wow, I'm a donkey. Okay. But... There is a lot out there, and um, I just want to try and use my social media for for being positive and giving positive messages, and that's how I try my best to use it. But it can be overwhelming at times. Yes, I I agree. Yes, it, it is definitely okay, and, you know, you go with the flow. You go with what works for you and, you know, make maybe one day you're you'll get on Snapchat and those other uh things. My son personally said I can't get on Snapchat because I'm too oh. old. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a whole other uh topic. You've been bad want, a bit. <laughs> yeah, but he, he knows my me when I started on social media, 
uh, it was just to, you know, stalk him and see what he was doing. You know, this was years ago. But um, right. it's been an interesting. Now, you know, the tables are a little different because of the business and the show and everything. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting. I want to thank you so, so much um, for joining us this week. I know you have the horror film coming up, and I can't wait to, you know, hear more about that and, and catch up with you. And I will make sure, guys, um, that all Miss Diana's information is listed on the notes for Blog Talk Radio and on the Define You Radio page. So thank you again so much, Miss Diana, for taking time out on your Sunday for being with us. Oh, my God. Thank you, Valencia and Tasha and Kenny. Thank you so much for having me. I, I had a blast. I can't believe it's over already. I, I had a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that hour goes by pretty quick. And I want to say a special thank you to my beautiful co-host, Miss Tasha Dearborn of Positive Express. I'm here, I'm here. And and Miss Connie Lee of Meraki Therapy. My pleasure, my honor. Thank you, beautiful Valencia. (laughs) Yay. Well, guys, I mean, we should all ask ourselves this question. If nothing else, ask yourself this question this week. What's holding you back? What excuse are you making to not achieve your dreams? That's all I have to say. That's the question of the week. With that being said, guys, make sure you connect with uh, our beautiful guests, our co-hosts, and make sure you connect with me at ValenciaGWallace.com. Another special thank you again to everyone that listened in tonight and, of course, our guests and the co-hosts, of course. I can't say thank you enough. Life is too short not to say thank you. As usual, uh, I'm going to close yeah. out with our with our quote of the week. It's from Unknown. This week's quote, the person who really wants to do something finds a way. The other person finds an excuse. With that wow. being said, guys, it's been a fabulous, blossomly awesome show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining us on Healing You. Make sure you join us next week, same time, same place, and have a great healing week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening in to Healing You. Remember, you must heal you in order to define you. Join us next week, same time, same place, as we continue the healing journey together.